If the regulation of alcohol sales in Indiana were a cocktail, the recipe might be something like this. Combine six shots of calendar restrictions, two jiggers of hourly cutoffs, and a splash of population-based licensing quotas. Shake periodically for 80 years or so, then ignite and serve flaming. Hi, I'm John Schwannis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll examine the uproar sparked by the latest push to loosen at least some of the state's post-prohibition controls, including the long-standing ban on Sunday carryout sales. Here's WFYI News anchor Christopher Ayers with the background. Six days of the week, you're free to pick your poison. But come the wee hours Sunday morning, this state's all dried up. Indiana and its neighbor states all enforced so-called blue laws banning Sunday alcohol sales following the end of prohibition. Slowly, the other states lifted those laws. Indiana's remains on the books. But this year could be different. House Public Policy Committee Chairman Republican Tom Dermody has authored a bill that would allow Sunday sales during limited hours. It would also ease restrictions on items liquor stores can sell. Well, I support having the debate once and for all so we don't keep bringing it back year after year. And I think the people in the state are ready to have the debate and have been asking enough questions uh, that I've spent time to prepare and uh, looking forward to discussing it this session. Indiana's ban doesn't cover all carryout sales on Sunday. Wineries have been exempt since 1971 and breweries since 2010, both exceptions meant to stimulate tourism. The Indiana Chamber of Commerce says it supports Dermody's bill, Chamber President Kevin Brenniger says at this point the issue comes down to consumer convenience and lifting the ban makes sense. We think it's a common sense approach. It brings Indiana, we're bringing Indiana in line with the vast, vast majority uh, of other states. Still, the bill faces some strong opposition, largely from the Indiana Association of Beverage Retailers and the liquor stores it represents. It claims Dermody's bill would hurt its members saying package stores have set up business models the way the state has mandated and has no capacity to change overnight into a big-box retail model selling diapers and milk. Dermody says the bill should get a reading soon, but whether it leaves committee and eventually becomes laws at this point, anyone's guess. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Christopher Ayers. Thanks, Christopher. Back in a moment with our roundtable discussion. Indiana Lawmakers, from the State House to your house. Purdue Research Park, four locations, 200 companies, 4,000 jobs. Purdue Research Park, the idea economy is here. Depending on whom you ask, Indiana's ban on Sunday carryout sales is either a bulwark against impaired driving, underage consumption, and the onslaught of faceless out-of-state corporations, or a throwback that stifles competition, limits customer choice, and hinders economic development. Here to discuss the issue are Republican Representative Tom Dermody of Laporte, Chairman of the House Public Policy Committee, Republican Senator Ron Alting of Lafayette, Chairman of the Senate Public Policy Committee, Grant Monahan, President of the Indiana Retail Council, which represents grocery stores, and Patrick Tam, President and CEO of the Indiana Association of Beverage Retailers, which represents packaged liquor stores. And I would say we're going to have a spirited discussion, but that would elicit moans and groans about the pun. But uh, I think we will have a lively discussion. Let's leave it there. Tom Dermody, you uh, are, of course, sponsoring legislation that would roll back uh, or alter at least the, uh, the Sunday prohibition. Why now? 
Well, I think it's time. Year after year, we've had and heard the discussion, are we going to have Sunday sales or not? You know, the focus of the legislature this year is the budget, are creating jobs, is education. But with the media, they've seemed to create this Sunday sales explosion. But I do believe it's time to have the debate. I'm excited about it. So it's really... Uh Certainly, though, the, the fact that your name is on it suggests that you have more than a passing interest in, in the fate of the bill. You're not doing it just for the sheer sake of, the, of public discourse, I, I presume. Well, actually, I'm, I'm carrying it so I can make sure that we have the debate. And, you know, this bill, when the final language is presented, is going to be more than just about Sunday sales, but then about appropriate regulation as well. Ron Alting, uh, this is sort of an old tune. You've heard it before. I think, uh, I don't know how many years now, you've uh, declined to hear similar legislation in your committee. Uh, this year, you've, I've seen you quoted as saying you've used the word consideration, which is a departure from, from past practice. Is this the year? Well, uh, Chairman Dermott, he's done a good job. He, he's asked me to, to uh, review some of his uh, wording in the bill. We've worked a little bit together on that. And uh, I think he's worked hard. I think he's got a bill that's going to be fair in such a bill that you have big box, you have packaged liquor stores. I, I mean, there's no secret I've, I have been opposed to this uh, bill in the past, but uh, I think that the Senate majority uh, has the opinion and leadership has the opinion with myself as chairman that if it does come out of the House of Representatives that the Senate will, will take a strong uh, look at uh, getting a hearing on the bill. Uh, chairman Dermody will put me on it. so. Um, you know, I think that, that the Senate would take a peek at it. So that means you're, you're inclined to give it a hearing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, a little news there. That's, yeah. uh, that's as, I think that's as definitive as you've been, so yeah. we'll, we'll take that to the bank. Grant Monahan, music to your ears? Very much so, yes. Yes, we're pleased to have the two chairmen of the Public Policy Committee's author and make a commitment for a hearing on the bill in the Senate. Uh, the consumers are anxious for uh, the modernization of this law to give them the ability to purchase alcoholic beverages on Sunday when they're doing the rest of the grocery shopping. Uh, this is certainly a, a good step in the right direction, and uh, we have a long way to go. We know that, but we're looking forward to the public debate. And how do you explain the, the timing? I know your organization, of course, is, you've been involved in this uh, in some way, shape, or form for a number of years. Right. Back in December, we saw the creation of a new coalition uh, that, that you're involved with, with Hoosiers for Sunday Sales. Uh, to elicit uh, support or gen up support. Uh, is that kind of thing making a difference, or is this just the time has, has come that market forces and other issues have, have dictated this be heard now? I think there's a variety of things that have sort of fallen into place. You're right, we've been pursuing this legislation since 2008. Uh, since that time, we've had the opportunity to educate legislators more on this issue. I think we've helped them to feel more comfortable with the change that we're seeking. And it's, the public has weighed in and the media has weighed in heavily, as you've mentioned. And uh, we have thousands of people who have signed an online petition in support of Sunday sales. We get support everywhere we go. And um, I think it is the, the time to finally uh, pass legislation to permit Sunday sales. Patrick Tam, something tells me you're going to take the opposite view here. Uh, uh, I'm guessing you're this, you would say this is not the time, and, and why is that? Sure. Indiana and all states throughout the country have really crafted their alcohol regulations per the 21st Amendment. Indiana created a, a framework, regulation, and legislation that really created a business model that created package stores. Package stores didn't create themselves. 
We've built our businesses based on that framework and those laws and those regulations. We relied on those. We are very restricted in terms of what we can and cannot do. That's fine with us. We took that bargain when the state set up the package store industry. This is an industry that's purely created by legislation and regulation. Grant just talked about um, you know, trying to get continued support. You know, this is a total effort, financed, backed, again and again and again. This is not a new effort. This is just a rebrand of what Walmart, Kroger, and the big box guys are spending millions of dollars throughout the country to deregulate the sale of alcohol. We don't believe that alcohol should be sold in a deregulated environment. It should be sold in a regulated environment. I've heard so many times in recent weeks the David and Goliath comparison, but I never can tell in a debate like this who's David and who's Goliath because clearly <laughs> your organization, while it is largely smaller and by definition Indiana-owned So, uh, so you're telling me Walmart's the underdog? Well, there, you have a lot of that, clout. You, you traditionally have had a lot of clout, <laughs> so, though. I mean, that's, I wouldn't say you're... We you're, represent you're, Indiana small business owners that by law must be Indiana small business owners. By law are required to be Indiana residents. If you're going to tell me Walmart's the underdog, uh, we're the only state, I think, that would say that. I would agree to that. that and and it, that's absurd, and, and it's probably one of the most, uh, again, this subject, there's facts in this, and then there's non-facts. And when I was interviewed in Lafayette, Indiana, about the powerful lobbyists of, of the uh, packaged liquor store, he's it. One guy. Do I need to tell you how many lobbyists that Walmart has, that Kroger's has, that Big Box has, that convenience stores has? Are you trying to tell me that Carol Casey and some of these small business people in Lafayette, Indiana, that I've known my whole life, just hardworking individuals are more powerful than a big box a Walmart you got to be kidding me and the press is the press is one my feeling is very simple the reason it hasn't got a hearing and the reason it hasn't went in is maybe because it's been the right thing but I gotta tell you you know it's we're not doing this I'm not doing this for the big box stores I'm not doing it for the packaged liquor stores these two groups need to be engaged in this issue. And, you know, the senator and I are working very closely on it. And I think by the end of session, if they're a little unhappy, they're a little unhappy, we might have great legislation. But Hoosiers are talking to me. People are talking to me saying, isn't it time to modernize? You know, we have Sunday sales now. Let's not kid ourselves. You know, you can go to a brewery and carry out. You can go to uh, a winery and carry out. You can go to a restaurant drink at a restaurant and drive home, and you can go to a stadium, drink, watch a game, and drive home, but you can't go and carry out what you can do six other days of the week and carry home and drink safely. Well, I know you've all sort of alluded to the notion of this this bill evolving and moving. No one, I think, said the word compromise, perhaps, but that was the the strong suggestion. And there are limitations in in the bill now. I guess uh, the hours as it stands now of sales would be 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. I suppose that could shift between now and, and uh, the ultimate decision on whether this bill prevails or not. Also, you would give liquor store owners who traditionally have a fairly small number of items that they can sell, expand that uh, in hopes of giving them a, a other product uh, revenue streams. Is that the idea? Well, I've heard that uh, from some members and packaged liquor stores in the past, and it's been made clear to me, and you know, Patrick will agree, that 
they don't want that. And so I said, fine, we're going to take that out of the bill. We're going to review the hours. But I think the other important part of it, and Patrick brings up a point that, you know, they have certain regulations that they have to follow to sell the alcohol. You know, I think we need to look training at training of, of staff, training, or permitting of who can walk into the store, employees, et cetera, et cetera. And it's great regulation. They follow great rules. I think we need to look at that across the board, whoever is carrying alcohol and offering alcohol, and be responsible. And that's the key point here. I think the Sunday sales is, a, is going to end up being a side point of this bill, but it's an opportunity for us in Indiana to say, hey, what is appropriate regulation? Patrick Tam, is there nothing in there that uh, you find as potential middle ground? Uh, apparently, the, there's I, I, not an interest in expanding the product. I think the uh, Chairman Jeremy summed up our, uh, our conversations pretty succinctly. We can't change our business model overnight. We can't be, uh, we by law are not able to be located in unincorporated areas. We can only sell 10 commodities, it's a commodity list, 10 items are on that list. We can't change our business model overnight. We have 5,000 square foot stores, 2,500 square foot stores, maybe a little bit larger here and there. What are we going to take out of our stores to all of a sudden have Kellogg's call on us? Uh, Walmart's put out those stores already. We relied on the regulations to build our business to sell alcohol. That's what we sell. Well, how about the rest? How can I sit here and listen to that stuff and believe a single word of it? These liquor store owners have been hiding behind Indiana law for decades, and they continue to do so. They, they, they say they don't like the commodity restriction, but they really in that don't want it. They, they say they can't change their model. Yes, they can. Retailing is dynamic and it's always changing. And our members are always out there doing whatever they can to serve their customers better. And liquor store owners ought to be doing the same. And I think Representative Dermody's bill will give them that opportunity to finally step into the 21st century, serve the customer, serve the customer seven days a week. And I believe that a rising tide lifts all boats, that liquor store owners will profit from this in terms of increased sales and increased opportunities to serve the customer as much as our members will. Ron Alting, do you believe that uh, all businesses, including liquor stores, need to be nimble and agile well, in this 21st century I, economy? I, I, I would disagree with, with, let me tell you something. The debate on this as an economic development bill is just absolutely false. And it's, again, it's one of the false <laughs> statements out there. It might be for big box, obviously, and it will be because it's a big shopping day for them. But in terms of the state and what it's going to bring in, I've been a in chairman. Terms of tax revenue, exactly. I know I've been around, I've been around a long time, and my not, question has always impact. been, why hasn't the first tier ever come to the chairman, Miller Coors, Budweiser in St. Louis, and ever said, we really support Sunday sales. We'd like for you to, to hear that bill. They never have. And the reason they haven't in my conversations with them because states that have done this, they sell, they sell the same amount in six days as they do seven. So the sales doesn't go up anywhere. That's one reason why you've never heard them. You're not going to hear them testify in, in Chairman Dermody's committee nor in the Senate. So in terms of it being an economic development bill, it's not. Convenience? Absolutely. And I think that this is one reason this has finally got as far as it has because they have been beaten the door on so long that this is economic development, economic development. And most legislators understand it's not. But what you cannot argue is that it is convenience. That's when the consumer is shopping on Sunday and it is convenient for them. And that's a valid point. 
It, it, it certainly is a valid point, and we're going to continue to beat that, Trump, Senator. But at the same time, uh, you've got ten, one-third of the state's population, a little over 2 million people, live in border counties, that border states that permit Sunday sales. And those people are crossing the state line on Sunday, and they're buying their alcoholic beverages uh, out of state. And we argue that they are taking their entire shopping list with them when they do that. I, I think there is an economic development component to this. I think it says a lot about what the state can do to help retailing uh, continue to grow in the state by bringing those people back home on Sunday rather than forcing them to go out of state to make their purchases. Grant, I think what I'm hearing you say is we have 92 counties, so we should do public policy based upon three, possibly three or four counties that is in our border states. Grant, no, we've got about There's about 34 border counties in Indiana, the border states that permit Sunday sales. And, and I think those people are crossing the state line to purchase on Sunday. It'd be better if those sales were rung up in Indiana than in Ohio or Michigan. Let's talk about, like the, let's talk about those states. They're all local option, Grant. All local option Sunday sales. You still have dry counties in Kentucky. You still have dry counties in Illinois. You have referendums in Ohio that Kroger was just found indicted because you had valid, invalid signatures. So your whole operation is to erode responsible retailing of alcohol, Grant, and you're going to continue to misstate that surrounding states. They're local options. One of your own members, Discus, look at their own math. It's there. I personally like the fact that we're doing legislation for somebody outside of Marion County because coming from northern Indiana, we seem to do nothing more than legislation specific to Marion County. <laughs> and from my perspective, I've got a couple packaged liquor stores that are going to be come down testifying in support of the bill because, again, they have six miles away, New Buffalo, Michigan, and these people are saying, hey, we want the people to stay home. I agree with Patrick that, hey, we have to have the regulation. We're not going to be irresponsible, and I believe it's up to the senator and myself to make sure that regulation is appropriate because I know he is clear about it, and I'm clear that uh, we don't want further access to underage drinking. We don't want irresponsible drinking. But let's not, again, ignore the fact we have Sunday sales. This is really not a Republican-Democratic issue. This is, it, this is perfect evidence that this has much more to do with geography and, and <coughs> rural versus urban and other sorts of issues. Well, there you go. Don't do this. Uh, don't do it for consumers if you don't want to. Do it for liquor store owners who are on border, in border communities who know they're losing sales every Sunday. Uh, so, so there you go. This is an opportunity to help the small, independent uh, liquor store owners that Pat Tam says he's championing, give them the opportunity to increase their sales and grow on Sunday. Well, let me ask you about this cliche. Another one that comes up is, you know, government shouldn't be in the business of picking winners and losers. But again, I, to me, that cuts both ways. You could argue that if, in fact, this were opened up to broader uh, cross-section of retailers, uh, Patrick Tam, I know you've been quoted as saying that's picking a, a winner and a loser, your clients and, and your members being effectively losers, but isn't the opposite true too? By Isn't the General Assembly or existing statute picking uh, a winner in, in this regard too? I mean, I, you, is, there, is there an the, argument the, here to the just say let the market, John, let the market uh, you, know, uh, you know, this control. is not... Uh, we're selling alcohol in a regulated environment. Alcohol is not in a free market. Uh, never, never has been. Um, so you have to realize we're talking about alcohol. We're not talking about pop tarts. We're not talking about cereal. We're not talking about milk. We're talking about alcohol. We're selling tobacco behind the counter. 
We're selling cold medicine behind the pharmacy. Uh, why are we doing that? Because those products can cause some harm. Don't disagree. Alcohol can cause pretty quick harm, can end lives, can have some tragic impacts. So let's reframe where this is a public policy discussion. How do you want to sell alcohol? You want to sell it willy-nilly all over the store like Walmart does and all the big box folks do? Or do you want to actually sell it in a responsible manner? Grant is in a bloodthirst search for profits. Walmart constantly is talking about we want to be the market leader nationally in sales of alcohol. That's what they want to do. They don't really care how they get there. They want to get there. So what are they doing? They're spending millions of dollars across the country to erode and deregulate the sale of alcohol. We you know. sell our, our members sell alcohol beverages responsibly six days a week. And if you look at the ATC's own record, liquor store owners are more likely to sell to minors than drug and grocery store uh, operators are. And that's a consistent fact. They constantly sell more to minors than, than our members do. You can talk about regulation all, all you want, but the fact is we've got responsible corporate citizens who are uh, operating stores where people want to shop. But the big boxes, they employ Hoosiers. And then also, Patrick represents small business owner. I'm a small business owner. I know how difficult it is, and they're under great regulation. And from the ATC's perspective, how difficult is it to monitor a big box store that allows underage individuals in there and decide who's who's violating and who's not, where it's clear in a packaged liquor store, hey, you have to be 21. So it's easy, I believe, and, and you can agree or disagree, to find those violations in a packaged liquor store yeah, by the, someone that's underage. The chairman's underage. right. I mean, when, you, when you're looking at someone... Well, the chairman's always right. Well, the chairman's <laughs> always right. Yeah, 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 I hope, I hope uh, our colleagues understand that. <laughs> anyhow, because when you come out of a packaged liquor store, you're only carrying alcohol. There's no secret. When you come out of a big box, it could be milk, bread yada 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 you can't stop everyone to come out and say let me look in your sack but when you come out of a packaged liquor store so yeah grant's right in terms of the violations but even if you'd meet with the atc the chairman's exactly right it's a matter of who your customer john let, let me comment Very quickly, on, we're on, almost, where judge young came down on this on a cold beer case same same line uh, judge young called it misplaced irrelevant because we're under much stricter regulations we have probable cause coming out of our stores. Judge Young, misplaced and irrelevant. All right. I'm getting the signal that it's last call for us. Uh, they're going to flick the lights here pretty soon, I'm afraid. We didn't even get to, to wine sales and microbreweries. Time flies uh, when you're talking about something that's important to a lot of Hoosiers on both sides of this issue, clearly. Again, my guests have been Republican Representative Tom Dermody of Laporte. <laughs> Republican Senator Ron Alting of Lafayette, Grant Monahan of the Indiana Retail Council, and Patrick Tam of the Indiana Association of Beverage Retailers. Does freedom of religion include freedom from religion? When do my beliefs trump yours? On the next Indiana Lawmakers. Time now for my weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter Indiana Legislative Insight. Ed, what do you make of this uh, debate? I don't think this is a, a conversation. I think we ought to call it happy hour here. <laughs> um, we, we saw some, some very interesting interchange, obviously, during, during the roundtable. But I think what you need to do is, is step back and, and look at where we'd be if we were starting from scratch. Now, obviously, the legislature can't do that. But I think everybody understands that if we were setting up a regulatory system today, it would not look anything like 
what we have today, what, what it's evolved into, what it started out as, you know, just after the, the prohibition. And, and I think a lot of people have in the back of their minds that given that we wouldn't do it today if we were to start out again today, that maybe it is time for some changes. But we will, as a state, and I, again, hamstrung is a loaded word by history, because some would say that's good policy, but do you, clearly history, because it doesn't happen in a vacuum, will, will help uh, shape this debate moving forward. Sure, and, and so will you know, what our concept of what the, the future ought to be. And, and there, there are a bunch of other items under that rubric, you know, with, with respect to alcohol regulation as, as well that, that we didn't get to. In, in yeah, the, I wish we had, d dive right. into those. One, of course, wine uh, shipments. Uh, sure, the, the direct-to-consumer wine shipment thing, the, the requirement that you have face-to-face -face contact, I think is, again, something that, that may be a little bit anachronistic and, and we wouldn't do today um, if we were starting again from scratch today in, in regulating. You know, there, there are things that, that we've done over the, even the, the past decade with respect to the, the small craft breweries and, and the limits that were imposed upon them that we might not do if we started again from scratch today. But th at the same time, you've got a system, you've got a, a rubric, you've got a framework, as Patrick Tam pointed out, that, that has worked for the state for so long. And if you start making some small changes, like, for example, bumping up the cap for the small breweries, then you run up against some of the other issues, like the three-tier distribution system, which has become so important, not only in Indiana, but across the region. Sort of the, the foundation of, of liquor distribution laws, right, to a large extent? Absolutely. And, and then you start bringing into question all forms of, of this regulation and other kinds of, of regulation. And, and we're looking at, at these kinds of things with respect to to other areas, like um, when you're talking about auto sales, for example, the, the requirement that you have a car dealer be your, your distributor as opposed to direct consumer car sales. Interesting stuff. Uh, we'll be talking about this again this season, I am sure. Lots on tap. <laughs> yeah. dun, dun. Ed, thank you as always for your insight. For more information, episode streams, and extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Chuanis, and on behalf of WFII Public Media and Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, I thank you for joining us. Until next week, take care. What if an app could give a voice to children silenced by autism? It can. Introducing Speak All. To learn more about this and more than 400 other world-changing Purdue technologies, visit otc-prf.org.